Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. Happy Resurrection Day, you guys. Wow. I'll tell you, thanks. Thanks, Bruce. I appreciate that. I tell you, God is good, you guys. And um, I'll tell you, Resurrection Sunday is just probably, for me, one of the most exciting celebrations of all. It really is. It's, it's what encompasses everything for humanity. And I think it's important that, you know, we understand the gravity of this. But before we get into the, today's message, I just want to welcome you again. If it's your first time here, thank you so much for joining us in this Easter celebration. We like to call it Resurrection Resurrection Sunday. So uh, Pastor Andy, that's who I am. Pastor Kristen, who had the voice of an angel earlier and led us in song. Uh, we just love being here, being the pastors here, and uh, we don't see it as something uh, to take lightly. Um, every Sunday we prepare, uh, no matter how. And you know what? How many here have families and jobs and kids and things? Yeah, us too. So, you know, it's, I, I wish I could say it's just easy breezy, but it's not. You know, we're like any other family. We have our, our things, our ups and downs, but no matter what, we want to make sure that you understand and know that God loves you. That, that's really the ultimate purpose, I believe, of my life is to let you know that God loves you. He, he's not holding anything against you. Uh, Jesus has wiped the slate clean. It's open for you to approach him at any time. In fact, it's not even, you know, a matter of having to approach God because he's standoffish. I believe he's right there the whole time. And all you have to do is go, oh, awaken to his presence. That's right there the whole time. So we don't have to chase God down. You ever heard that term before? Are you a God chaser? Well, my good friend, Jamie Englehart, one time he had mentioned that. I'm like, yeah, yeah, praise God. And then he goes, but, but what kind of father makes you chase him down? I thought, wow, wait a minute. His love chases after me. Not with a, a stick to get me, but with love, with open arms to receive me. Because I found this, that, you know, sticks and, and beating people over the head, you might convince them against their will, but of the same opinion they are still, Right? But when love grabs a hold of your heart, it does something. It's transforming. And so, you know, for us, a lot of times, I think as the church, we're wanting people to change before we accept them. But I look at the life of my master, Jesus, and he always accepted people. And then change came about because of that acceptance. And so that's really what we're all about here. And I believe that's what resurrection is really saying to us. I want to remind us that we will have communion this morning, uh, but it's going to be at the end of the message. So I just want to talk about this for a minute because the beauty of the resurrection life, it's not something I believe that we should just celebrate, you know, one day, one time per year. I think when we do that, it falls so short of the magnitude of what this means and really what it represents for all of humanity. Think about this. We have been outfitted by Jesus. I want you to think about this term. We've been outfitted by Jesus to do what? To reach this world, I believe, with peace and restoration and healing and forgiveness and all those good things that, that are part of the kingdom of God. Amen? And, and there's so many facets of this new life uh, in Christ that I believe it takes an entire lifetime to really discover everything and what it all means. But how many are with me to say, I want to try? I want to do everything I can to discover how deep this goes. So let's get outfitted. Let's get outfitted by Jesus. So today I want to start a brand new series. Pastor Chris and I have been talking here over the last couple of weeks about kind of a direction that we wanted to go together on Easter Sunday. So they're going to kick off the same series down at the Florida campus, um, but, which is probably a little warmer down there today, isn't it? But it was beautiful coming in this morning, wasn't it? It was awesome. But today's series is called Outfitted by Jesus. Say that with me, Outfitted by Jesus. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take the next few weeks and really look at many different facets of what it means to be clothed. Yes, I said that right, clothed, dressed in Christ, outfitted by Jesus. What it looks like to really live out a resurrected and new life. Because again, resurrection isn't just a one-time celebration, one time a year. I want us to really see this. There, there's something that goes so much deeper. And when we get this, it will radically transform your heart, which will radically transform your life. In fact, people will start saying, hey, is that you? Is that really you? 
Why? Because you're actually loving me and loving people. It's really awesome how it works. But that's what resurrected life really is. So let's start this morning in Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. And this here will be our main text throughout the series. Especially verse 49. But I want to start here in verse 44. Then he said to them, who's he? This is Jesus speaking. These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Now, I want us to get a little bit of context here because Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He's already been resurrected from the dead. And uh, it's believed that he spent 40 days with the apostles, with the disciples, with his followers during this moment before his ascension. And so in this 40 days, he has been talking to them about, look at this, he says, everything that's been written about me, say me. Now, Jesus is being very specific here. He's saying all these things in the Torah, you know, the law of Moses, in the prophets, and the Psalms, it's all been written about me. Look at this in 45, he says, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. See, I think Jesus was taken this 40 days Because how many know that in the three and a half years that Jesus had ministry in the earth, I don't think the apostles quite got it. They didn't. The only apostle at the foot of the cross was who? John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. I think John had a pretty good handle on this ministry in the kingdom, but every other disciple scattered. They deserted. They were afraid. They were scared. But what's really cool is Jesus never held that against them. So here he is. So guys, I got 40 more days and I want to just pull apart what you know. I mean, these are good Jewish boys. They understood the Torah, the Psalms, the prophets. They had read them. They had heard them orally. I mean, this was a big tradition for them as a Jew. And so, you know, Jesus is pulling this apart and saying, guys, can you see me in there? Can you see me in there? Can you see me in there? And I believe they're like, wow, I see it. Wow, Jesus, I see it. Verse 46, and he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. Now, this is really cool to me because what Jesus is saying is, guys, everything that I've just broke down for you, everything that I pulled out of the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, we call it, everything there, I'm showing you me in that. And I'm showing you that I fulfilled that. I'm showing that I brought things to fulfillment. Not only that, now what I want you to do is I want you to tell people to repent. Now, of course, when we hear the word repent, sometimes we have a negative connotation to it, right? Without a show of hands, has anyone ever heard a preacher, repent, and they do like the the voice with it. You're like, okay. And we think that's like, I'm afraid, I'm scared. I crawl up to the altar because a lightning bolt might get me. And if I just repent, then maybe I'll be okay. But the word repentance in the Greek It literally means to change your mind. Jesus is saying, I want you to help change people's minds. This is your message. Listen, it's always been the message of Jesus. Repent, change your mind. The kingdom of God is at hand. In fact, the kingdom of God is within you. Look what he says, proclaim this. Repent, change your mind for the forgiveness of sins. In other words, change your mind. You've been forgiven. Come on, that's something to shout amen and hallelujah about right there. See, so many times the message that we've portrayed is you're a dirty, filthy, rotten worm, and if you're lucky and you repent hard enough and you grovel, then maybe God will forgive you. But Jesus says, proclaim, change your mind, guys, you've been forgiven. Why do we feel like we have to make people jump through hoops to have relationship with God? Me included, for years preaching that way, but that's all I knew. Good intentions, but that's all I knew. But then I look at the life of Jesus and nobody jumped through hoops. They just, they were present. They were there and he had relationship with them. This is powerful, you guys. Verse 48, he says, you are witnesses of these things. You have literally spent three and a half years of your life with me. This past 40 days, I've I've broken things apart. In fact, a couple of apostles were walking with Jesus on the road when he first had resurrected. They didn't even know it was Jesus. And he began to, to talk about the old covenant, the Torah, the law, the prophets, breaking it down and how it played into this Jesus thing, this new way of life. And it said that their hearts burned within them. 
Now, I've gotten that feeling before. When I, when I receive revelation, I see something different in scripture, it literally like just is like, oh man, this is so good. This is what life is all about. And I believe that's what Jesus was doing. He says, you're the witness of these things. And then he says this, and behold, listen up guys, I'm gonna say something. This is so important. I am sending the promise of my father upon you. Mikluia, and the promise was Holy Spirit, the spirit of Christ. Look at this. But stay in the city until you are what? Clothed. Now, many translations say endued. I like that, endued. With what? Power from on high. Now, listen, we could go 16 different ways with that message. You're endued with power. 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 I mean, we can put an echo on it and make it just amazing. But there's something within this that, that I believe is so deep. This word endued in the Greek means to sink into, like sinking into clothing. Look at you. I'm so glad that everyone got dressed today. And so many of you just look so pretty and so beautiful. It's Easter Sunday. You know, I got to look my best. My, my wife picked out an outfit for me to wear. So she didn't dress me. I've learned how to do that. But she picked out the outfit for me. But, you know, think about this idea of endued as to sink in the clothing, to put on, to clothe oneself. So what does Jesus say? He says, but stay in the city until you are endued or clothed, uh, that's why I like this translation because they get it right on, hit it right on the head, clothed with what? Power. Now, what do you think of when you think of power? I'm thinking of Jesus healing and doing miracles and all that stuff, right? And nothing wrong with that, but, but this word in the Greek literally means ability, strength, and virtue. So it's like Jesus is saying, I will clothe you I will, I will cover you. You will be completely covered with what? The ability, the strength, and the virtue necessary to do what? Live resurrected life. Outfitted by me. To start in Jerusalem and go all around the world, which they did, by the way. How, however much world was existing at the time. I mean, we're here this morning because of Jesus and these apostles talking about the resurrection. That's pretty amazing to me. Over 2,000 years. So obviously they believed it. And obviously he did clothe them with the ability, the strength and the virtue to live resurrected life and not just live it for themselves to give it to others. I think that's why Paul says in Romans chapter eight and verse 11, he says, it stands to reason, doesn't it? That if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. When God lives and breathes in you, look at this, and he does as surely as he did in Jesus, what happens? You are delivered from that dead life. Say, thank you, Jesus. I'm delivered from that dead life. But look at this. With his spirit living in you, your body will be as alive as Christ. See, sometimes we celebrate this resurrection in such a way that, and hear me right, it only pertains to something Jesus did 2,000 years ago. But sometimes what we neglect is that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in us. That same resurrection power, it's alive in us. So that's how we do life. That's what Jesus is saying. He goes, listen, you guys will be clothed with my ability to do everything I've called you to do. So you need to do it because you are my witnesses. And how many know that that can extend to us, right? Jesus wasn't speaking to me 2,000 years ago. It'd be kind of weird, right? Like if I was over 2,000 years old, but I do believe that this applies to me. Think about that same power, that energy, that source that connects us all together. I mean, the apostle Paul said it on Mars Hill so perfectly. He says, in him, Speaking of that clothing, in him we live, move, and have our very being. See, sometimes when we just celebrate Jesus resurrecting and then we go and have our ham and our baked potatoes, I think we're missing something. Because we're not realizing that that same power, that same resurrection power is within us. It connects us together. I think that's why if something happens, you ever heard like a news report of something that happens literally on the other side of the world and it resonates with you? Like it just grieves you 
or, or it moves you, however that story comes across, I believe it's because we're connected. I mean, the very source of life is Christ. It connects us, it animates us, it gives us that power and strength. But here's the thing, we have to awaken to it. Some people don't know it yet. And that's the beauty of the gospel message that we get to preach. God's here, he's done it all. Will you awaken? He's there. Relationship is there. The power is there, the ability. You can be completely manifested that clothing, clothed in Christ a reality, but you have to awaken to it. You have to believe it in order to walk in it. Of course, to some of us, this might seem a little bit outlandish and foreign, right? To even fathom this idea, but the truth is that the same power resides in you. And I believe that there's a reason for this. We are outfitted by Jesus with resurrection life, but it's not just for ourselves. It's also for others. If you go here for any amount of time, any amount of time you're going to realize, okay, so the blessing and the goodness and the grace and the peace and love, it's not just for me. Now, some of us, we need to stop there for a moment and just, you know, relish that, immerse ourselves in that because we need some healing in our life. Mm-hmm. Come on. But there comes a point where we become so full of God's love, so full of that resurrected life that it begins to affect others around us. And it should. That resurrected life, that same power resides in you. So let's talk about this idea today and uh, of being clothed in Christ. But I want, more specifically, I want to talk about the area of forgiveness. Say forgiveness. Now in the church, this is my dad years ago, um, he uh, spoke, preached a series, and he was always on the cutting edge of stuff, trying to be a little bit right to the line. And so I think the series name was like Christian F-words or something like that. Do you remember that one? It was like faith, you know, we're like, where's he going with this? Pastor's lost his salvation, but it was faith and forgiveness and all these F words. And I think I probably piggybacked on that at some point just to kind of get people's attention. But honestly, forgiveness is not something that comes easy. Can I get an amen? I mean, for me, it hasn't always been easy. There's times where I'm like, yeah, thanks for forgiving me, Jesus, but I'm not forgiving them. You can, I'm not right? We've all been there. But this, this thing is, is important to see that if we've been clothed or outfitted uh, by Jesus, then I think that we're outfitted for forgiveness. Because if we are to follow Jesus as our example, as the pattern, and, and he's a forgiver, then that means that we then too can forgive, right? I love this verse in Colossians. The apostle Paul writes, put up with each other, I love this version. This is awesome. He says, put up with each other and forgive anyone who does you wrong. Now stop there for a second. Because do you realize the gravity of what Paul is telling us? I mean, he's not like, he's not saying you're going to agree on everything. Why else would he say put up with each other? But it's unfortunate that we have taken on this idea, and I used to think that, that it was just the world, but, but now the church, especially the westernized church, has taken this idea on that, no, we don't put up with anyone who doesn't agree with us. Forgive anyone who does you wrong? No, 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 no. No, I want to lash back out on Facebook at them. I want to tell them what's really up. But what does Paul say? Put up with each other and forgive anyone who does you wrong. And, and just so you don't think this is my little personal opinion, Paul says, just as Christ has forgiven you. Oh, come on, Paul. You had to go there, man. If you wouldn't have put that on there, I could have just said, well, that's just your opinion, Paul. That's great. That's great that you're, you're, you're more mature in your faith. But wait, wait a minute. Forgive anyone who does you wrong. Anyone who does you wrong, just as Christ has forgiven you. You had to put that in there, didn't you? Eugene Peterson puts it like this in the message. He says, forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. (laughs) Can I hear an ouch? (laughs) This doesn't mean it's going to be easy. But we do have that same power that raised Christ from the dead. See, again, I'm going to reiterate this probably a lot of times today. But we think that's just for one time for this miraculous thing that happened that we celebrate once a year. But how many know that that same power that raised him from the dead, sometimes it has to be the power that allows me to forgive. 
because I can't do it on my own. In some instances, it literally is a miracle that we can, what's he say, forgive quickly and completely? That's big. But again, are we followers of Jesus? I think most of us who have tuned in today, most of us who are here today, we would say, well, yeah, that's why I'm here. That's why I'm worshiping with you. That's why I'm listening to this message. That's why I'm spending time in this building or on this, you know, this simulcast because I, I, I love Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. Well, the thing is, Paul says we are to forgive anyone who does us wrong just as Christ has forgiven you. So if, if Jesus is the example of what our forgiving looks like, how we do it, I guess the best question to ask is how did Jesus forgive how did Jesus forgive? Now, again, if, if you attend here on a regular basis, you've heard me say this, and, and what's, what's the easy answer? Um, completely and unconditionally, right? Those are usually what I say. But I want to pull apart some, some stories and some actual history of Jesus where he exudes this forgiveness. And what I don't want to happen today is, first of all, I don't want you to turn off because I don't want you to fall into condemnation over this. Listen, there, there's been times where God has been dealing with my heart and it literally took me years to release somebody of what they said or did to me. So I get it. It's not easy. But we seriously, we live in a society that, I mean, I, I used to joke, but now it's like not even funny anymore about the coexist stickers. You ever seen those? And I'm all about that, man. I can hang out with like, Jews and agnostics and atheists and Christians, I can hang out with anyone. But usually what that bumper sticker is saying is, I will coexist as long as you agree with me. Well, that's not coexisting. That, that's you, you drawing the rules and the parameters and the lines, and then I either toe the line or I get canceled. Pretty, pretty powerful word right now, canceled. Now, there are some things that need to be called out, Absolutely. Social injustices, absolutely, call it out. But see, sometimes what we've done is <laughs> we've co-opted our opinions, our political ideas, and our agendas with the kingdom of God. And there's no place for that in the kingdom. You know, this just hit me, I... I'm going to spend a couple minutes on this because a lot of times people say, you know, Jesus wasn't political. Uh, and I agree to the place where he never picked up a sword. He never tried to overthrow Rome. He really tried to change people's hearts because he knew that the way to change an empire was to change the heart of the people first. And guess what? They didn't listen. When Jesus says things like, love your enemy, pray for those who despitefully use you, they didn't listen. The Jews didn't listen. By 70 AD, they were wiped out, the whole city, the temple, everything. I mean, we know history on this because they kept poking the bear of Rome, right? But there's a story where they were trying to catch Jesus, well, as they always did, right? They come up and they have these little ideas and if we can catch Jesus in something because they knew that there was always, in the crowd, you had either somebody who was, you know, working with the government or someone who hated the government. I mean, just like now, <laughs> interesting, right? You always had these two different people. And so they wanted to present this question to Jesus because they thought no matter how he answers, we can get him wrong. And basically, there was this huge thing going on at the time about should we pay taxes? Because honestly, I mean, the taxation was really high. 80, 90% people were poor. They were starving. This was a big deal. This was a, a big cause for contention. And so they said, Jesus, should we pay taxes? Jesus is so good. He says, well, give me a coin. He says, okay. He gave him a coin. And anyone know what he says? He says, whose image is on this coin? And, of course, we, we know the answer was, well, Caesar's. And he says, okay, well, render unto Caesar what's Caesar's and render unto God what's God's. And they're all going, what does that even mean? Did he even answer the question? But dig a little deeper on this. Jesus was actually separating for me kingdom of God from kingdom of this world. He was saying, listen, guys, 
The image of Caesar is on that coin. That belongs to Caesar. That, that's a, a government, that's an empire that's motivated by money, by power, by corruption, by greed. So give it back. But what Jesus didn't say, and I, I wish it would have been written out, is he should have talked to the person who had asked the question and say, now see this guy right here? What image is on him? Because I believe Jesus would have said, God's image. Because we're creating the image and likeness of God. So think about this. Jesus was saying, listen, we're not going to squabble about that. Pay the taxes. It, that's Caesar's. Give that money to him. But what I want you to really see is that God's image is on you. So render unto God what is God's. In other words, devote your life to God and stop worrying about the taxes and all the other stuff. See, if we would do this in life, how would it change our Facebook posts? How would it change what we would say and how we would see people? Sometimes we get so caught up in the political and the policies and the right and the left and this theology and that theology that we're missing the point. The image of God is on every one of us. So render yourself, give yourself to God. Allow him to begin to work in your heart to change things for the better. And one of these things is forgiveness. So again, the question is, how did Jesus forgive? Number one, Jesus forgave before the cross. Say that with me. Before the cross. It's crazy that I had grown up in church. I had pretty much grown up most of my life from maybe four or five on up in a Christian home. I had a dad who got radically saved for Jesus. He decided to give up his, his worldly job in order to go into ministry, which was like, what? The family was like, what are you doing, Carl? But he did. Because Jesus radically changed his life and he began to, to grow and, and you know, to, to mature in Christ and, and, and grow a church and help people. And they did so much good in the community through all those years of pastoring. But growing up in a house, I mean, I was, you know, told you're going to read your Bible every day. You know, typical home, you need to pray, you need to do those things. Nothing wrong with that, right? And so I'm like, okay, reading, falling asleep, reading. Isn't it funny how like only when you read the Bible do you fall asleep? Well, not now at my age. I'm falling asleep in the middle of movies, but you know. Would you rewind that? We went to the theater for the first time here just uh, last week. And um, it was crazy. Aiden was sitting next to me. And he, he really had to go to the bathroom, I guess. He goes, Dad, Dad, can we pause it? Can we pause it? And I'm like, we're at the movie theater, buddy. They don't do that here. I wish I had the remote, but because I had to go with him. But so many times I had read scripture and I correlated the cross with forgiveness. Not to take away from that. But there was some point in my life where I began to read this, the life of Jesus and the gospels. And I thought, dear God, Jesus was forgiving people all the time before the cross. Whew. What? And, you know, there's, there's a good three and subcategory up to six atonement theories. And I've since dug into that and I see things a little different about the cross. It's just become more beautiful than ever. But I look at this idea that Jesus forgave before the cross. Now, there's so many examples that we could bring up. And, but, but for me this morning, I love the story in Luke chapter 7 where Jesus is invited to a Pharisee's house for a meal. And he's in there, he's eating his meal. And while they're eating, a woman shows up, who, by the way, is the town harlot. Can I say that on Easter morning? She's the town harlot. She's a prostitute. I would say she's probably in the little sinners and tax collectors group. What would you say? So she shows up to a religious Pharisee's home in the middle of a meal that Jesus was invited to. Well, anyway, she comes into the house. It's right in the middle of the meal. She has this very expensive bottle of perfume. She stands at the feet of Jesus. Now, in this culture, there was usually some pillows around a shorter table, and they would just be reclining. I mean, maybe we should do that too, right? But the kids tried to. We're like, get out of the living room, sit at the table. But, but they were just chilling at this table on the pillow, just chilling. So here's Jesus, probably feet outstretched. And the town harlot walks in, stands at his feet, and begins to weep. Can you imagine this? In the religious man's house, 
Not only is she weeping, she's weeping so hard that her tears are raining down on the feet of Jesus. So what does she do? Well, what any of us would do. She lets down her hair. She goes down to her knees and she begins to dry his wet feet with her hair. And then begins to kiss him on his feet. Are you blushing yet? Can you, what a spectacle this must have been in this Pharisee's home. But it's interesting because she does this, this kissing on his feet, and then she opens this really expensive bottle of perfume and she anoints his feet. Now, this is really powerful, you guys. See, it's interesting to me that the only one who gets irritated, the only one who lets it get under his skin was the Pharisee who invited Jesus to the meal. If you read the story, Jesus wasn't irritated, he wasn't upset. It didn't set him off. In fact, it says that the Pharisee said to himself, he's thinking this thought, he's like, "Hmm, uh, if this man was the prophet that I thought he was, he would have known what kind of woman who was falling all over him. And what I love about Jesus is he even hears the thoughts of people and he responds to what they're thinking. And so he responds to this religious man and he tells him this story, this parable. But, but as he's telling this story, he wraps it up like this. I want to pick this up in verse 47 of Luke chapter 7. Look at this. This is, this is genius. Then turning to the woman, but speaking to Simon, the Pharisee. So Jesus is looking at the woman, but he's actually speaking. You ever done this where you're saying something loud enough that the person next to you can hear because you want them to get the point? So it said, turning to the woman, but speaking to Simon, he said, Do you see this woman? I came to your home. You provided no water for my feet, but she rained tears on my feet and dried them with her hair. You gave me no greeting, but from the time I arrived, she hasn't quit kissing my feet. Kissing was a custom, right? In this culture, even man, cheek to cheek, right? That's a welcome. He didn't get that. He says, you provided nothing for freshening up, but she has soothed my feet with perfume. Impressive, isn't it? Oh, come on. Can you just... I mean, the people at the party must have been like, what the heaven is going on right now? This is crazy, impressive. And so what's he say? She was forgiven many, many sins. Now stop right there for a minute. Sometimes we read over this. She is or was? She was forgiven many, many sins. It seems as if Jesus and this woman had met before. It doesn't say but, but you get this idea or this sense that she was actually returning back to Jesus, weeping and anointing him because of something that had happened. He just said it. She's been forgiven of many, many sins. Look at this. And so she is very, very grateful. Look at verse 48. He looked at her again. He says, I forgive your sins. Again, Jesus? Now, I want you to catch, though, the next statement from those at the party. Verse 49, listen to this. That set the dinner guest talking behind his back. What did they say? Who does he think he is for giving sins? <laughs> Apparently, he thinks he's the son of God. Apparently, he thinks he's love incarnate. But think about this. They're saying, who does he think he is? Kind of sounds like church folks today sometimes. Who do you think you are accepting that person? Don't you know their lifestyle? Don't you know where they've been? Don't you know who they've been with? Don't you know what political side they belong to? <laughs> who cares? I mean, honestly, sometimes my point is we take political things and we make them so like, this is what I tell people. What if you lived in a country where you had no rights or freedoms? What would you do? you would serve and love Jesus. So enjoy the freedoms you have. Enjoy what you have. But listen, guys, we can't come away from this kingdom thing. This is our life. It's the most important thing. It's not who gets in office. It's who's in your heart, who's living through you. Does this make sense? I'm not against, listen, I don't, I don't take either side. I really don't. Jesus has broken down so many barriers for me that like, I, there's so much freedom to just enjoy life. Man, I can sit down with Democrats, Republicans, independents, gay, straight. It doesn't matter to me. I just want to have relationship with people and show them the love of God. And guess what? From there, Holy Spirit can take it wherever he wants. That's not my job. 
They said, who does he think he is forgiving sins? I mean, Jesus, what are you thinking? Where's the sacrifice? Where's the payment? This was a people who was used to many, many sacrifices throughout the year. And some of those sacrifices was a sacrifice to cover their sin. And Jesus is just saying, your sins are forgiven you. You can't do that, Jesus. Who do you think you are? See, even in our own life, some of us want people to apologize. You need to apologize to me before I forgive you. Listen, I'm saying this because I've had plenty of issues in my life where I don't want to forgive. I'm not preaching to you like this because I've arrived. It's because it's the truth of what Jesus says. But some of us, we're looking for an apology. We want someone to walk over broken glass. I really want you to feel the gravity of what you've done to me. I want you to feel it. I want it to burn. I want it to stick. But Jesus simply forgives. Don't be mad at me. This, this, is, this is Jesus. I'm telling you, I don't always get it right. But if I'm a follower of Jesus, it can't be just cherry picking the things I want to follow. Does that make sense? And if I've offended anyone today, you have to forgive me. <laughs> no, my point is this. My intention is not to offend you. My intention is to awaken us because I've had these same awakening moments where I've wrestled back and forth with ideas that I had, but I had to come back to Jesus. Okay, what you say and what you do is opposite than what I believed. So what am I going to do? Help me, Jesus. Help me see this clearly and, and correctly. I just need clarity in these issues. And I'll tell you, there's such freedom on the other side of that. There really is. So again, my intention is not to offend you. But a lot of times, sometimes things hurt when you hear them. And if you're a certain way, and, and listen, we can talk about it. That's, that's fine. After service, call me up, hit me up and I am. We'll go grab a coffee, whatever. But my intention is not to offend you. My, my intention is to get you to see the gravity of what Jesus is saying. He simply forgives. Why? Why would Jesus do this? I say it all the time because that's what love does. I mean, come on, Pete and I just tackled a whole series for 17 weeks. No, it was like six, but of love and the foundation of love. And we saw through that, that love just does things different. It goes against the grain of what the world culture and, and, and you know, the world system tells us, right? And so we have to get to this place where we decide, decide okay, Jesus, look, look what you did. I mean, the, the town prostitute, the town harlot comes in in, in this, this very act of just thankfulness over the forgiveness of sin. And there's people still saying, who does he think he is? So number one, what do we see? We see that Jesus was forgiving before the cross. Number two, say number two. How did Jesus forgive? On the cross. During the offense. This one gets me. We talked last week about Palm Sunday and the importance of that. But Jesus is welcoming to Jerusalem with palm leaves and you know, coats are pulled off and laid in front of him, a kingly welcome. And they're, they're yelling at the top of their lungs, Hosanna, son of David, you're the best thing ever. The best thing since sliced pita. And they're just so excited. But within one week, one week, just a few days, they're screaming, crucify him, crucify him. Well, we understand from last week's message that they just, their expectations weren't met, right? They wanted the warrior king Messiah to overthrow Rome and set Israel back up as a nation. It didn't happen. They're saying, crucify him, crucify him. Well, let's think about this. What he was being accused of really wasn't true. He was an innocent man. And so you have him on the cross, an innocent man, undeserving of probably one of the most horrendous deaths that's ever been, what is it, created? I mean... This happened way before the Romans, but they perfected it, baby. How can we get you to suffer the longest without dying? That's what the cross was about. And so here's Jesus hanging on a cross between two thieves. 
a criminal, just like them. And what does Jesus say? Don't say anything, Bruce. What does Jesus say as he's hanging there on the cross, looking down at these people who have just crucified him, who don't deserve a lick of forgiveness? Well, we know what he says. He says, oh, now you've done it. Wait till my father hears about this. You are going to pay and you're going to pay dearly. And then the Uzi comes out. No, that's, that's a Hollywood movie, right? And usually when it happens, are like, yeah, get them. They deserve it. But that's not what Jesus says. Look at this in Luke 23, verse 33. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right, one on the left. Look at this. Then Jesus said, what does Jesus say in the midst of this offense, in the midst of this just horrible deed to him. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them. So we see Jesus before the cross. I just gave you one example. But I mean, he had forgiven so many people. And I've said this before, but I believe part of the reason that that Jesus, I mean, love forgives, I get that, but he would forgive people who were asking to be healed. It's like, that's not what I asked for. But I believe that forgiveness of sin, it clears the slate and opens people up to receive the gift that Jesus wants to give them. And so there's something that flows from this heart of forgiveness. So here we see Jesus before the cross, forgiving. On the cross, in the middle of the offense, he forgives how quickly and completely. And what's really wild is I think Jesus really gets it. Because he says, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. I mean, that's huge. Because usually when someone offends me, I'm like, they know exactly what they're doing. But think about when, when people act crazy, when they act a fool, there's usually something in their heart. There's, some, there's a lie they're believing about themselves or God or the other person. There's, there's hurt. There's, they need deliverance. They need healing. They need restoration in their life. That's helped me immensely especially during this last year of just being out and about and just some people get a little bit crazy and weird, man. Like they just almost have this personal vendetta because you wear a mask or you don't. And all all these different things that happen, you're like, whoa, tune it down, man. But see, it's made it easier to realize, oh, they're not speaking because of the pandemic. That just stirred up what's already in their heart. So if they already have some type of hurt or issue in their heart, that's just stirring that up right? And so it's helped. It's helped me. So we see Jesus. How does he forgive? Well, we know uh, completely, quickly. It's a done deal, but he was doing it before the cross. He's doing it on the very cross, the day of offense. And number three, even after the cross. Well, why not? That's who Jesus is. We're, we're beginning to see, I'm beginning to see this pattern, Jesus. You enjoy forgiving people. Oh yeah, yeah. I think, I think we're getting it finally, right? I'm talking to myself. Jesus is a forgiver. That's what he does. So number three, after the cross. Now, most of us are really familiar with the story of Peter's denial of Christ, right? It is, well, we can actually say a betrayal of Christ. It's funny, about the third time that he's asked, hey, wait, wait, aren't you one of Jesus' disciples? It says, with cursing and swearing. Well, yeah, he's a sailor. Come on, guys. But with cursing and swear. What did he do? He denied Christ. He betrayed Christ. It is interesting to me, though, that I guess the way that we remember, or so easily remember, I should say, when we or someone else fail. That's probably one of the most notable stories about Peter. But you know, Peter went on to do some pretty amazing things for the kingdom of God and even was martyred for the cause of Christ. Sometimes you forget, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's that one guy. Remember that? Three denials. But look at the response that Jesus has to Peter after the betrayal, after the cross and resurrection. So he's on a beach. They have some breakfast together around the fire there. Verse 15, we're going to pick it up here in John chapter 21. It says, after breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? What's Peter's response? Yes, master, you know I love you. What's Jesus say? Feed my lambs. In other words, do what I've called you to do because nothing has changed. 
He then asked a second time. Say second time. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, master, you know I love you. Jesus said, shepherd my sheep. Do what I've called you to do because nothing has changed. Then he said the third time, say third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was upset that he asked for the third time, do you love me? So he answered, master, you know everything there is to know. You've got to know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Do what I've called you to do. Nothing has changed. Are you seeing this flow here? He says, I'm telling you the truth, the very truth now. When you were young, you dressed yourself and went wherever you wished. But when you get old, you have to stretch out your hands while someone else dresses you and takes you where you don't want to go. He said this to hint at the kind of death which Peter would glorify God, which we know was, he was a martyr. And then he commanded, this is huge right here. I don't know how many times I've read this and never like put this together. What does Jesus say to wrap this conversation up? Follow me. Follow me. Did you catch that? First of all, I think it's interesting that Jesus asked Peter this question three times. How many times did Peter deny Christ? Three times. It was almost like an equal undoing of what Peter wasn't forgiving himself over. It was like Jesus saying, we're going to do this three times because in your head, all you can see is the denial, the denial, the denial. But what I want to show you is you're called, you're called, you're called. This is powerful. And then to wrap it all up, the very last thing that Jesus says is, say it with me, follow me. Say it again, follow me. This is huge. I mean, Peter had already been called to follow Jesus. I mean, three and a half years before this, Jesus is walking along the beach. Peter's a fisherman doing his thing. And Jesus said what? Follow me. Now, in this moment, Peter must have thought that it was over, that his calling, his purpose. I mean, Jesus, three and a half years prior, said, follow me, but it's over. I've denied him. It's over. There's nothing else I can do. I'm spent. I'm unworthy. But what does Jesus do? He reassures him by calling him again, by three times saying, the calling has never changed. So let's do it together. See, Jesus restored relationships with even those that betrayed him. You know, the really sad story is the story of Judas. I mean, think about Judas. Judas, you know, he betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. It says that he obviously had a change of heart because he went back, he threw the money back, you know, at at the, the religious leaders. And then what did he do? He hung himself on a tree. If only he would have realized that just hours later, Jesus was gonna hang himself on a tree. That betrayal can never go too far as far as Jesus is concerned because he forgives quickly and completely. And he's asking us to do the same thing. I love this in John fourteen twelve. The person who trusts me will not only do what I'm doing, but even greater things because I, on my way to the Father, am giving you the same work to do that I've been doing. The same power in this instance to forgive others. It's ours. He's given it to us. He's clothed us. He's outfitted us for forgiveness. But for maybe many of us, or at least some of us this morning, we're wrestling with that. How do I forgive that person? You don't know what they did to me. You're right, I don't. There's people who have hurt me emotionally. They've stole from me financially. But I had to let those things go. There's no one that's ever yelled crucify him and ended up on a cross. I know that. And I'm not trying to say that what we're going through doesn't matter. It certainly does we've got to come to a place where we release people. See, a lot of times it's tough. We wrestle with this because if I forgive this person, it's like I'm letting them off the hook. But the truth is you're letting yourself off the hook. 
I'm speaking from experience. Holding bitterness against someone is what? Like drinking poison, expecting it to affect the person that you're mad at. But it doesn't. It affects you. And when bitterness creeps in, it just like, it just overwhelms. It takes up every space of your mind and your heart. It's all you think about. And it just festers. And even science has proven that bitterness can lead to actual sickness in our body. And so we have to release these things because Jesus has outfitted us to forgive. Say this with me. I am outfitted for forgiveness. When someone offends you, when someone says something that goes completely against the grain of who you are and what you believe, when, when someone actually tries to provoke you, whether in person or on social media, what is your response? What should our response be as followers of Jesus? Should it be to vindicate ourselves? Should it be to speak offensively back at the person? I mean, you guys know the answer to this, but I'm just saying it because we've all been there, right? We've lashed back out of people. And for a moment, it might feel better, but it never makes the situation better. The thing we need to do, really, I should say, the thing we're called to do, the, the ability that God has given us is to forgive as quickly and completely as Jesus has forgiven you. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for this opportunity we have on this Easter Sunday, the celebration of resurrection. I thank you that we have an opportunity to not just celebrate your resurrection almost 2000 or over 2000 years ago, but we literally can celebrate our own resurrection to new life. And I would venture to say that there's plenty of us here because I'm included in that group who still have areas of our life where we need you to minister salvation. That word salvation in the Greek is preservation, safety, healing, wholeness, deliverance. We all have facets of our life. And so maybe this idea of forgiveness is one of those facets. Maybe it's one of those things that we wrestled with. Maybe even as I was speaking today, someone like literally that face popped into your head. You're like, oh, why I oughta, that person. I get it. Been there, done that, sometimes still have to deal with that. But Jesus, you have given us the power. You have clothed us with the ability, the strength, and the virtue to forgive those around us, forgive those who have offended us, forgive those who have said things against us. And I pray that we're beginning to tap into that power that you've given us, that strength to go a different route when we're offended, to take a different road than we've ever taken before, to literally forgive quickly and completely. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. You receive that this morning? I think there's no better time for us to receive communion than after hearing about forgiveness, because really that's what this is all about, amen. Aiden, you want to give me a hand? Aiden wanted to help out today. He wanted to preach. I said, I got a message for today, but... He's like, he wanted to help out. So he's going to help demonstrate. If you've never used these before, they're pretty simple. They're just little peel-away packs. So you're going to do that with me, right? Awesome. Let's all stand together. If you haven't got your communion elements, go ahead and uh, grab those. The ushers are right in the back. They got them for you if you want to participate. And I encourage you to. You don't have to be a member of the church to participate. This is for all. Well, I truly believe that everyone is welcome at the table of Jesus. Amen. And so I just want to read a portion of scripture out of Luke chapter 22. In verse 17, it says, Then he took the cup and he gave thanks. And he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. How many know it's here? Amen. It's ever growing. We're part of that. Verse 19, he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them. Let's take our bread. So Jesus gave us this bread as a symbol, didn't he? It's a symbol of his body being broken. 
But here's the beauty of this brokenness. Jesus chose to allow his body to be broken so we could be made whole. And so what I do, Aiden, every time I take this, I think about something in my own life where maybe I have brokenness or some wrong ideas or maybe I don't feel worthy. See, a lot of this happens, right? Like, have you been in communion services where, like, they talk so much and warn you and fear you to a point where you don't even want to take it because they misinterpret Scripture? But this should be a time of celebration about what Jesus has done, not about what you've done wrong, but what he's done right. And so what I do, Aiden, a lot of times, I think about, is there anything in my life that's broken, anything that I need fixed? Well, Jesus has fixed that for me. It's done. And so as I take this bread, I meditate on that. It helps change my heart. How about you? So it said that Jesus broke the bread he gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Is there anything in your life that maybe you're thinking is broken? You need, I need help. You know, I heard someone say this, the, the, the best perfect prayer sometimes is just help. You don't have the words to say. It's just, Jesus, help me. I don't want to react to my spouse this way. I don't want to, I don't want to stop posting this stuff on social media. I want to get rid of the anger and the resentment and the things that I have in my heart. I want to get rid of this low self-esteem and see myself as unworthy. It's, it's not right. You, you, your story about me is that I am worthy and I'm acceptable and I'm pleasing and I want to see that. As you take this, I want to see yourself. I want you to see yourself as whole this morning. Amen. Take and eat. And now we get our cup and we just pull it back like this. Oh man, you're better than me. Verse 19, or verse 20. Likewise, he also took the cup. This is the cup, right? After supper saying what? This cup is the new covenant. In my blood, which is shed for you. That's right, man. Preaching it, brother. This is so key for me today because what I think about every time I receive the cup is my complete and total forgiveness. It just does something. It just, it sets me up, clean slate, God's good with me. And it doesn't give me this attitude of, wow, I can just do anything I want now. Woo, clean slate. No, it's like, man, I can do anything God has called me to now. There's nothing holding me back. And so for me, Aiden, this cup represents complete forgiveness. Isn't it awesome when someone says, I forgive you? I let you off the hook. Clean slate. Isn't it awesome? Sometimes we have those conversations, don't we? Yeah, Where? At our, house. At our I get back from a friend named Kelly. No, 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 we're not going to say the name of the friend. <laughs> so we're walking in forgiveness, but I'm talking more about, about you and I. There's times where we have conversations and where dad gets upset about something that maybe you did wrong, but then we have those talks and we just have to say, sometimes I say, I forgive you or release you. Sometimes you say, dad, I forgive you for raising your voice or for saying things you shouldn't say because I'm not perfect, right? But you know, I love you. Yeah, I love you too, buddy. Don't make me cry while I'm up here. Sometimes we forget the, I asked if we could have some time together. You forgot that and I kept asking. Aw. I mean, I forgive you. That's we, right. We played together. That's right. And we make it right. Wow, just reading all my mail up here today. <laughs> I'm so thankful for, give, for forgiveness in a cup. But all parents mess up, don't we? But that's where we as parents get to say, I'm sorry. And we make it right. And then we play that game that you love so much and I begin to love too, right? That's awesome. You're and awesome, dude. Sometimes kids forgive. Yep, that's right. We all forgive. Kids forget. Kids forgive. We all forgive. Yeah. Except for some bad people. But they forget uh, people later on in life. That's right. Because we grow and mature, right? It's not an instant thing. And you know what? He and I have had several conversations about a particular person sometimes that gets under his skin. It's like, man, we got to be like Jesus. And you're honest. You're like, you know what? Jesus can forgive him, but I don't know if I can. And that's honest, right? But the best way to take is forgiveness. I love your honesty, buddy. You're awesome. But this is about Jesus. It's remembering Jesus, not Pastor Andy's faults this morning. I appreciate you, buddy. So what did Jesus do? He said, this is the new covenant. This cup represents a new covenant. 
one sacrifice, once and for all, Jesus Christ completely shed for us, this blood's for you, amen? And all you do, this blood's for you. And so we take this, Heavenly Father, we thank you for complete and total forgiveness. If there's anyone here this morning that's struggling uh, with feeling worthy and good enough and wondering if they're really united with you, well, Jesus, you showed us that we are. And so I pray that even in this symbol of the cup, we can see that forgiveness. Take and drink. Wow, that's good. Jesus is good, isn't he? Yeah, you ever seen that show, Kids Saying the Darnest Things? No, I have not. Okay, anyway. You guys, we're, we're so glad that you joined with us on Easter Sunday. It's, it's been beautiful. And again, I hope I didn't offend anyone. That's not my intention. My intention is to cause us to grow. And how many know that sometimes to grow, it hurts a little bit? right? All of us. And so again, my intention is to show you the love of God, help you mature and grow in that and become the best version of yourself. But anyway, thanks for joining us. Have a great time with your families. Uh, We'll see you next week. We'll be praying for you. We love you guys, but join us next week as we continue the series. What? You want to say something? Everybody go and have some fun. That's right. Go have some fun. See you guys. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.